Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now, our Red Sox and Bruins insider over at Nesson, Tom Karen. TC called the uh, Red Sox spring training game that was on before us. We are taping this interview in advance of that game. So, TC, how are you? Doing well, Brady. How are you doing? Excellent. Appreciate you being with us as always. And again, we're taping this, excuse me, before the game actually airs. So I don't know how this lineup is going to actually play out today, but it looks like this could be the opening lineup for Alex Cora and the Red Sox April 7th against the Yankees. So let's dissect it here. The first thing that stood out to me, Trevor Story hitting sixth. Seems like a little low in the order for a guy you're paying $140 million to. Yeah, I think it's for a couple of reasons. We just talked to Alex Cora about it. And, you know, a, a couple of things to point out is, A, they really don't have a lot of left-handed options. And I think we wanted to mix them up a little bit, which is why the D goes up a little higher than you might. That's really about the left-right mix of the batting order as opposed to any individual. Uh, he also pointed out that he, he thinks Trevor Story can use his speed more in the sixth hole rather than maybe uh, a, a potential out if you're being a little overly aggressive higher up in the order, down in the sixth spot, uh, you can kind of go after it and grab that extra base, whether you're going first to third on a hit or trying to score from second, or just steal a base, which we know Story can do. Uh, he also said against lefties, you probably see Story hit a lot higher, maybe second, the Devers dropping down a little bit. Uh, so this isn't a permanent thing, but he, but he wants to sort of play with it and see if this is where it, uh, where, where it comes together. But he did say, as of right now, this probably will be your lineup for opening day in New York. What do you think of Verdugo in the five spot? Okay, you're I'm with you a little higher up than you would expect, but when I think of the five spot, I think of a guy who's got major run-producing potential and a good amount of power. Verdugo is more of a, a contact gap-to-gap hitter. Do you think he could hold his own in the five hole for a prolonged period of time? Talk about Verdugo. The yeah. interesting thing is, is he's, got his, he's got power to the gaps, right? Not necessarily a big home run guy, but when he's staying within himself, he can certainly use that left center gap and, and pull a little bit to right center gap. I think, I think they like the possibility of him unlocking that uh, power potential to the gaps a little more as he goes. But again, I, I really think, you know, more than anything, and again, I, I will say, if you follow the game closely now, uh, the, the batting, batting is, you know, listen, the best hitter always used to be what? The two guy, the three guy, right? Yep. Your, big, your most powerful guy was your four guy. Lineups aren't built like that anymore. They really are. A lot of analytics going into it. There's a lot of splits. Most teams change their lineup every day based on how these guys hit against that type of pitcher. Remember, they, they never look at the head-to-head splits anymore. It's not how you do against this pitcher. It's how you do against this profile of pitcher. Uh, so I, a lot more goes into it than the old days. You know, five guys got to be a power guy. Uh, I, I think they look at, uh, at the possibility of having a lot of traffic going on uh, uh, Doogie is a guy who can, can control the bat and, and move runners along. And then you've got that power threat with Story. It, it's an interesting lineup. I, I certainly did not expect Trevor Story to have six, as you said, with that kind of contract. Uh, and again, we'll see, you know, they, they expect to face a lefty on Sunday in New York. They expect to face a lefty, I think they said Wednesday in Detroit. So you probably have, you know, what is that, two of your first six games? Uh, so we'll see how often they face lefties or how often they. They, how long they stick with the original experiment. And, and the other part is, you know, do you give Bogart the day off once in a while, the story move over to short, especially at the beginning of the game. 
Corey said they haven't had that discussion yet. Uh, not everybody likes to do that when they're learning a new position. They don't want to bounce back and forth. He said we'll have to see about that. All right, that's the lineup. Let's talk about the roster itself. Jaron Duran sent down to, to AAA camp, so he's not going to be the fourth outfielder, at least at the beginning of the year. Who's got the leg up there? Is it Franchi Cordero or is it Rob Refsnyder? Well, right now, I don't think it's either. Right now, I think it's Christian Arroyo as a super utility guy. Uh, they've had Arroyo working uh, quite a bit in the outfield. Uh, he was out there yesterday and looked pretty good. Uh, Alice Cora telling us that J.D. Martinez is going to be part of the outfield mix, especially in right field uh, against lefties. Uh, that might be when Jackie Bowden Jr. isn't in the lineup as much. So it, it's an interesting uh, mix when you start to talk about the depth in that outfield. You know who the top three guys are. You know who the two starters are going to be. Uh, but if you're rotating those guys through, what it means is you don't necessarily have to keep a fourth outfielder per se. You might have those guys uh, on your bench already, which would either allow you to have another super utility type or even another pitcher. From the pitching standpoint, you know we're, we know that there's going to be 28 players on this roster in April, and that's going to allow you to keep more pitchers. We kind of know the main players in that Red Sox bullpen, but who's kind of come out of nowhere and looks like they might have a spot at least early? I mean, I don't, I don't know where Cutter Crawford came from yesterday throwing 98. Well, remember, he made his major league debut last year. Yeah. He didn't go great, but, uh, but Cora was quick to say he's a major league pitcher. They really like him. Uh, they think he's tough playing. Uh, he was just raving about him again this morning when we were talking to Cora. Uh, you know, the interesting guy, you know, Derek Holland is an interesting guy, 13-year veteran, was actually a teammate of Alex Cora's in Texas, and a teammate of Dave Bush, the pitching coach, uh, was his teammate in Texas as well. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he has uh, looked pretty good so far. And Michael Walker was really good and, and is going to be part of your rotation at the start. We know that. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, those are, it's interesting that it's the veteran guys, uh, not necessarily young guys, but veteran guys. Now, Deepman has really struggled here at the start. Uh, we saw that again yesterday. Strom's been pretty good. Uh, so they got, they've got got some lefty options to be sure. Josh Taylor's not going to be ready at the start of the season. Uh, he did talk, at least at the beginning of the season, because of the days off, not necessarily because of the rotation, but Whitlock will be available in the bullpen, he said, on opening day. Uh, which means, uh, and he brought him up when he was asked about the closer. So uh, Barnes, Whitlock are guys who, who could wind up coming in at the end. And again, they've got two days off, I think, in the first eight, and then it's 17 in a row. So you can survive the first week with four starters, uh, but then you're going to need to go five and, and keep that rotation going. So we'll see if it's Whitlock. I, I would think uh, Rich Hill and uh, Tanner Houck are going to be in the rotation. Start. So I think Whitlock, to me, I don't know about you, Brady, but to me, while, while I know a starter gives you more innings and maybe more impact, uh, you know, over an entire game, I think the ability to have a Garrett Whitlock coming out of the pen, you know, two out of three days, a couple of times in a series, that's a weapon you can utilize a lot more. Well, interesting. We're going to react to that here after we get you off the phone, which we'll do here momentarily. I know your time is a little more limited today. Let's get a Bruins question in here. Bees lose to the Maple Leafs yesterday. That's a big loss considering the Maple Leafs came into that game with the same amount of points as you did. Uh, we're getting down to the end of the regular season. How big was yesterday's setback? I, you know, I don't know how big it is, but it was a big disappointment, right? I mean, you're at home. It's Toronto. Uh, as you said, you come in with the same, uh, same point. And it's just, you know, you, I was looking for intensity and, and emotion. And, you know, that, that first period was as ugly a period. Now, they came out, I thought they played a lot better in the second period. Hit, what, three posts? One of them they wound up scoring on the rebound. 
like uh, two posts in the second period when they were really peppering uh, the, the Maple Leafs. And then they, you know, a, a lackluster power play, give up a goal right after that, and basically it's game over. Uh, showed a little spirit in the third period, but that's too little too late. Uh, it, it's, it's a little ominous to me when, when a game that is as important as, as that uh, gets that kind of response from the team. So uh, they were flat. They, they didn't show any emotion coming into this. And I, I just thought it was extremely disappointing. Well, I'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, you're Mr. New England. Curious if you know anything about Smithfield, Rhode Island, because uh, it sounds like uh, our listeners need to start learning about it because Bryant University is joining the America East to become UVM's newest rival. So I've never been to Smithfield, Rhode Island. Have you? I have multiple times because those of us old enough will remember that used to be where the Patriots held training camp. Oh. The Royal Patriots always had training camp at Smithfield, uh, basically at Bryant. And, and so that was every, you know, every summer, uh, the media would always flock to Smithfield. Uh, and, and, you know, Bryant, uh, you know, has been in a conference uh, where they, they play Merrimack and they play the Connecticut teams uh, and uh, they play Hobart where my son goes in lacrosse. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a good good program that is really uh, across the board in sports. And you saw them. They were they were fun to watch this year in the NCAA uh, yeah. playing game uh, when they made that run. Uh, it, it's a school, much like Merrimack, that has put a lot of money and a lot of uh, uh, improvements into their, their facilities to take that jump to full-time D1, uh, and it's really paid off. Uh, it's a good school, a good program. And it's a beautiful part of, of uh, New England. So, yeah, you'll have to brush up on uh, on your Rhode Island geography. But, uh, but Smithfield, like St. Michael's College, a long-time NFL training camp site. Of course, the Giants were at St. Mike's forever way back in the day. Well, it looks like we'll be taking some trips to Smithfield for UVM contests. TC, next week when we talk, we're going to be on the eve of opening day. I can't wait. Enjoy the game today, and we'll talk again in seven days. Appreciate it, Brady. Thank you.